Blog Talk Radio. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Look, the fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it. All we need is to figure what to do to win. Fins radio, live and direct. Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest. No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered. Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar. Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar. Every week they coming through our speakers to fulfill the crazy we have to hear about our team and all the latest news. Best the rookies trying to make the team paying dues. Current players and alumni interviews. City to city, state to state, follow the moves. Call a hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go. Best sports team and show all across the globe. Fin. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Oh, it ain't the left side. Happy, Paul. Just happy. I got to tell you something. I am like the, the, the most, the worst freaking 46-year-old, no move, no rhythm white guy in the world. And every time I hear that song, man, I just like pop it. <laughs> at, least I'm, at least I think I am. But uh, hey, welcome <laughs> to the NFL Draft. <laughs> welcome to the NFL Draft. Uh, I'm Brian. This is Paul. Cat will be calling in throughout the show, maybe every three or four picks. We are going to be covering the first two hours of this drive last we- Live. What that means basically is this. If the Dolphins trade back and it goes past two hours, you're going to be stuck listening to ESPN and uh, NFL Network because we are only slotted for two hours, uh, unlike last year and the year before where it was three. Uh, Paul, there is a lot going on, but I think it's safe to say we know who the first two picks are. Um, San Diego, that's kind of really where the draft begins. We're going to talk about that, but I want to get your ideas right now. Is there anything that you're hearing about with Miami in terms of moving up as the draft is about to begin? Yeah, there's there some rumors out there. Um, I believe they started the NRAF report about the Dolphins potentially moving up to number eight, but it seems like a lot of that stems from not as much – the Dolphins' desire to move up and them inquiring about moving up as Cleveland's desire to move down in the draft so they can go after, say, a Paxton Lynch or whomever else they've got on their radar. The Cleveland Browns are probably going to be pretty as active as other teams allow them to be um, tonight. They're, they're looking to add picks. They're looking to accumulate picks. And let's face it, they've got some bare-ass cupboards when it comes to talent on their team. So, it's more about what Cleveland's trying to do, I think, than what Miami's trying to do here. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, <clears throat> a couple of landing spots that we've heard rumors about, number four to, with Dallas, um, number six to San Francisco, or number seven to San Francisco, number eight, like you just mentioned, to Cleveland, are all possibilities for the Dolphins to trade up. Um, for the record, so we are clear, I am not a proponent of trading up unless it is to number four with Dallas for Jalen Ramsey. And then even that is a push for me um, because I think the Dolphins are going to find at 13, they're going to get a pretty good football player right there. In fact, if they traded back, um, I think they would get a pretty good football player right there as well. There's quite a few players in this draft. The 15 to 20 range is a really good range uh, in this draft. So I don't think the Dolphins need to be moving up for somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, and I surely don't think that they need to be moving up 
for anybody else uh, at all, except maybe possibly um, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, and and I'd agree with you there. My only thing is, instead of moving up for Jalen Ramsey, it would be a situation where if Laramie Tunzel were to drop to number eight for some God unforeseen reason, which let's face it, it's a realistic possibility. A lot of folks expect the Chargers, um, they expect Dallas, they expect the Jaguars to all go defense, which pushes you to number five here, and it's not unheard of for that that scenario to occur where where Laramie Tunzel is sitting there at, at number eight. In which case, I can understand the Dolphins moving up to really fortify the offensive line even further. Um, and grab Larry Tunzel, but like you said, um, for me, there's four or five guys that I know we've talked about on the show that are potential targets at number 13, and several of them will probably still be left even if the Dolphins were to move back to a 17 or 18 spot. So I love the idea of trading down. I'm a proponent of that every year, and I think that's something that would really benefit the team to add that second, third, or fourth-round pick depending on how far back they move. And Brian, just to elaborate on that as well, um, we talked about Ezekiel Elliott very briefly that you mentioned. And Ezekiel Elliott is, is definitely a talent at running back. But when you look at the depth of running backs in this draft, the strength of the running backs is, is really uh, – I know there's a gap between Ezekiel in the first round. Not a fan of Derrick Henry. Um but then those third, fourth, and fifth round running backs that are out there, there's a lot of talent mixed all through that that area of the draft that yeah. can come in and be immediate impact players. Yeah, there really is. So here's how the draft is going to work tonight. The draft is started now officially. Um, St. Louis has nine minutes to make their – or Los Angeles has nine minutes to make their pick. We're going to kind of – since you're listening to us watching the draft, we're going to let you know how this impacts the Dolphins. This is a Dolphins football show, and while we're going to cover the draft and the picks and we're going to talk a little bit about the players, it really comes down to how this is going to affect the Dolphins, who's still on the board, who the Dolphins might be targeting, if there's a trade, that kind of stuff. Um, So you don't have to worry about sitting here listening to us talk for 15 minutes about Carson Wentz or, or Jordan Goff because, frankly, you don't care. I don't care, and if you did care, you'd be listening to Chris Berman on ESPN. But we are waiting. The question, Paul, I got to laugh here because as we're watching this eight minutes in, why the drama, why the suspense? Just make the pick. Let's get on with it. Let's get to the third pick. The third pick, like I said earlier, that's really when this draft is going to begin. That's really going to start setting up what happens for the Dolphins later in this draft and for a lot of teams in the first maybe 15 picks. I, I do agree, but at the same time, there there is that part of my brain, and, and it's a small part, but it, it's somewhat embracing the chaos of the idea of the Eagles going, okay, we're going to go ahead and take Jalen Ramsey or, or something along those lines. And, and that's one of the exciting things about watching the crowd. We're 99.9 repeating percent sure. We know who the top two guys are be, whether whichever order you've got yourself convinced in between Goff and Lentz. But there's still that remote possibility that something came up at the last second that flagged one of these guys for a GM, or that they want you to think that, and 
they're going to go with with a Jalen Ramsey here and completely throw off uh, a number of folks, completely throw off the draft pundits on NFL Network or ESPN, basically blow Mel Kedry's little hair helmet off, and then we're really going to have something to talk about with these first two picks. So I'm still intrigued just to see if maybe that, like, millionth percent of a chance comes true. But like you said, it's probably much to do about nothing with this. Yeah, probably so. Um, if you go back, if you talk about the the enjoyment, if you will, of having that tension build up of the first pick. By the way, there's still six and a half minutes left. You go back to 2008. There was no drama with the first pick. The Miami Dolphins under Bill Parcells had the first pick that year, if you recall. And a week before, they were already negotiating a contract with left tackle Jake Long. And, Paul, they signed him, obviously, before the draft started, which really kind of, for the Dolphins fans, it just took all the sales out of everything. I mean, we were sitting there when the draft started going, are the Dolphins going to trade back into round one? Because we got a long wait here. Kind of similar here, where these guys are are uh, it's almost a no brainer pick the only The only real mystery here is will they go with Jared Goff like they've constantly said that they were going to go with, or are they going to go with um Carson Wentz and I think maybe there's a mild bit of surprise there if they did there there would be I think everyone expects that they're going to go with Goff. Uh, I'd be a little shocked if they don't at this point. But, I mean, it's you remember, too, since that point, you, you see these teams working contract deals or details with, you know, three or four players that they might pick at number one to keep the smoke screen and the air of mystery alive. But they know who they're going with. Uh, we may not 100% know, but we're pretty damn sure. But, again, that's part of what helps keep people tuning in. I still enjoyed that that draft with uh, Jake Long, even though uh, it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, okay, we know what we're doing. I don't see an issue with that. I I think the NFL should still let that happen. I don't think it needs to be a case of like, oh, yeah, we we can't let you know until right at 8.04, 8.05 or whatever time, and we want these guys to run the pit down to one minute left. that's, That's a little goofy. Yeah, the other thing, too, is, I mean, with the being the start of the draft, letting the pick run all 15 minutes or 10 minutes, rather, it, it gives the NFL opportunity to kind of get caught up on things and and uh, get themselves a little bit more organized in the back and staying on schedule. So could be nothing more than that. But um, who's your pick here? I mean, realistically, we've talked about Jared Goff. We talked about Carson Wentz. Uh, we know that it's going to be one of those two. If not the first pick, it will be the second pick. These guys are going one, two, no matter who goes first. What is your guess as to who's going here? My, my guess is that it's going to be Goff Wentz, um, and, and I'd be surprised if it's not that order at this point. I, I think it's a poorly kept secret that the Rams do covet Goff. But, again, um, it, it's it's why they have to still walk up to the podium. We don't 100% know, but I'm I'm going with Goff myself. For many, many years, the NFL didn't see quarterbacks taken one, two in the draft. It's it's happened maybe about seven or eight times in the course of the draft. There was about a 17-year gap between that happening um, where a quarterback was taken one and two. Last year, there was quarterbacks taken one and two. This year, it'll be one and two as well. Um, 
And that kind of sets, again, it sets everything up for what happens down the road. Now, let's get caught up a little bit on what's been going on and where the Dolphins are at. There's been a lot of talk, as if you've been listening to our shows lately or reading the blogs over on FinFanatic.com and over on on TheFinSide.com, which, by the way, there are live chats over there as well if you're listening to us live and you want to talk to other Dolphins uh, um, fans. Those chats are open and open right now. Just jump in, throw in a, a screen name, and you're set to go. But, you know, William Jackson III has been mentioned, Paul. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look like he's going to fall now. Uh, Miles Jack suddenly becomes a name that is getting a lot of play, especially today, dropping out of the top ten potentially landing at 13. We're going to talk about some of the surprise picks that might be coming up with some of the teams like the Giants uh, and San Francisco as well um, that we've heard rumors about today. But as far as the Dolphins are concerned, it's looking like they very well could have a choice between Hargreaves and Miles Jack and William Jackson, uh, if not a couple other guys, Paul. Yeah, if if Miles Jack is there, um, I think they definitely need to pull the trigger on that. Um, I think that Miles Jack's a guy that, while I do have some questioning about his style of tackling, um, that I hope either gets corrected or I'm wrong about at the NFL level, I like the versatility that he brings to the defense because, like we talked about on the show the other night, he's a guy that you can throw out there in the middle of the defense and when you go to third downs, you can leave Kiko Alonso and Jelani Jenkins at linebacker and slide Miles Jack out to that nickel spot and really fill multiple needs with him and be able to adjust your defense without subbing personnel, which, which is a big draw to me because you can master defenses. You can do so many different versatile things with that. Um, but I definitely, for me, they need to go linebacker and corner in rounds one and two. Those are the, the biggest holes that they have right now. And yeah, you know, if they were to do that, I, I'd be happy. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on board with that somewhat. I think that the Dolphins really, it's more of a three-round draft for me this year. You, at some point, either in the first, second, or third round, you have to address cornerback, linebacker, and offensive line. And I think those are the three top priorities in this draft right now. And I think that you have to make whatever moves you need to make to get those three positions. In what order? I don't really care about right now. Linebacker in round one or offensive tackle in round one is perfectly fine to me. If you can land an Xavier Howard in round two, or maybe Artie Burns slips, there's some guys that are going to be there. There's talk that McKenzie Alexander is going to be available at the 42nd pick when the Dolphins select in round two. So now all of a sudden, if you go and you take a guy like Jack Conklin, you secure your guard position this year. You secure the future of your offensive line because he's capable of playing left tackle when Brandon Albert leaves. You grab a corner in round two, and you pick a guy like Scooby Wright in round three. And I'll tell you what, you got a pretty spectacular draft in the first three rounds. Yeah, and, and I, I agree that they do need to solidify uh, and grab at least one offensive lineman in this draft. And my thing with that is the offensive line this year and we'll get we'll get to my thought in just a minute because I know uh, Goodell's about to announce the pick. So, but while he's walking up to the podium, um, you're locked in on Goff as well, I believe. Yeah, I think that I think that Goff is really the no-brainer here. 
Um, they've done more research on him. They've had him out to L.A. more than what they've had with Carson Wentz. It's a perfect situation for Jeff Fisher, who's trying to rebuild this offense. The quarterback was the biggest problem last year. It is, in fact, Jared Goff, the number one quarterback uh, or the number one pick this year in this year's draft. We know right now that Philadelphia will be on the clock, and there is no question who they traded up for. It's going to be Carson Wentz. Hopefully they get the pick in quick and we can go to San Diego, because as I've been touting, the draft starts with number three. Yeah, and so back to what we were saying before that um, in terms of linebacker, corner, and, and offensive line. After Miles Jack and Reggie Ragland, uh, whichever flavor you choose to go with, there's a huge drop-off at inside linebacker, which is where Miami needs the most help in the linebacker position because um, Kiko can kick out to the outside and, and be a dynamic threat. After the first and second round corners, there is depth, but it's just a huge drop-off after those guys in some ways. But then with the offensive line, it gets a little funky. Some of the best offensive linemen when we were looking at, at, at them for the show and, and, and leading up to the draft, some of the best offensive linemen in this draft really are in those third to sixth rounds. They're guys that can come in and be a starting guard right now and kick out to left tackle eventually or stay in at guard, depending, but solidify the offense this year but all, as well as for down the road. So guys like Isaac Samalo, um, and several others could come in. And that, that's why, for me, when I look at it, rounds one and two are, are just so critical to get that inside linebacker and to get that corner. And the reason I look at inside linebacker in the first is neither Miles Jack, no matter how far he slides, or Reggie Ragland are expected to be anywhere close to there in round two. So if you go with one of them early, you may see an Artie Burns or Mackenzie Alexander or William Jackson still there on the board at 42. And that's where you still have the ability to take running backs and offensive linemen later that can be impact players for, for your team. Yeah, well, like I said, I mean, for me, I've always been the proponent that you don't take offensive linemen in the first round, but I'm looking at this position this year as being an opportunity to, to solve two problems. You can develop a later offensive guard by having a guy like Conklin in there who can play guard and then move outside to tackle when Brandon Albert either leaves because his Dolphins don't want to pay his contract or if he gets injured again. It's a security issue. Am I proposing that the Dolphins skip over guys like Hargreaves or Miles Jack simply to take Jack Conklin? Absolutely not. But if all things are off the board and Conklin's left, he is a great opportunity to fix your team. And again, this comes back to what are you capable of doing in the second round? You have to have an idea of where players are going to start to fall in round two. You got to have an idea of where players might go in round three. These guys have been studying this stuff for the last year if not more than a year. We know from talking to Mike D or from Jeff Ireland, rather, and I know a lot of people out there don't like him, but I had an opportunity to talk to Jeff, and I asked him what the process was, and he says that he spent a lot, spent a lot of time on the road throughout the course of the season studying and talking to players and going to games and, and scouting these guys, and that was a big portion of his job, and it began almost the season before. So we, can, we know for a fact that Chris Greer, the general manager for the Dolphins, has been doing this for a very long time. He is so plugged into what all of these other, what these colleges are doing and what the other teams are thinking. It's going to be very interesting to see the dynamic that he and Mike Tannenbaum used today and over the course of this weekend in making these selections. 
Yeah, and, and I'm not. I I know there's a lot of fans out there today that were making jokes about how Tannenbaum was going to absolutely be controlling this draft, even though on the surface they've said that Chris Greer was was the one making all the calls here. I don't really care as long as they get the calls right. It doesn't really matter to me who in that front office is is pushing what buttons. I know Gase indicated he's been heavily involved since his hiring, which I think is a good thing. It sounds like all these guys are on the same page regardless of who makes the final call. And, and I'm excited to see what they do here. I'm very curious to see what, what Miami has in Chris Greer. He's a guy that a lot of teams were looking at to come in in the next year or two to be their general manager potentially anyhow based on some of the rumors we heard. So if he's able to pull these, these strings here and, and get some of these guys at the positions they need, I'm excited. I really think that this could be finally the front office and coaching staff to turn this ship around because it's long overdue at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, I tell you what, Chris Greer is a very respected GM, and, and, and he's a very respected scout in this league, let alone a GM. There was a lot of teams that might have been interested in him last year. He's been getting passed over, but that wasn't going to last long. For once, the Dolphins are promoting from within, which they really need to do. And what I like about Greer is the fact that here is a guy who has watched the crap fall down the sewer. And what I mean by that is we all know that it runs downhill. And when you're at the bottom of that hill, it lands on your shoulders. It lands on your head. He has seen everything that's been wrong with the general managers and the way the front office functions. There's nothing there that's going to surprise him like it surprised Dennis Hickey when he showed up in Miami. There was nothing that was going to surprise him like it surprised Joe Philbin or anybody else. He knows how the politics in that office works. Now he's able to get up there and he's able to work to alleviate those problems and eliminate all of the issues that were going on inside there. And I think that he and Mike Tannenbaum are going to work really well together. Mike Tannenbaum gets a lot of knocks, Paul, but to be honest with you, I think a lot of it's not really all that deserved. He gets a lot of wax because of his trade up for Mark Sanchez and because of the fact that he was the general manager of the New York Jets. And, of course, we hate the New York Jets. But this is a guy who's actually pretty smart and has a lot of connections within the league. We might be singing a different tune here in about another hour, hour and a half, depending on what he does with his draft picks. But uh, for right now, I mean, I, I really don't see the issue. Let the guy have a couple of years to see what he can develop here in Miami with Chris Greer at his side. The Eagles pick is in. We already know it's going to be Carson Wentz. It's really not a big deal, but – the commissioner is going to make it official right now. Paul, what do you think when you look at Greer and you look at Tannenbaum? How do you think that that's going to – that dynamic is going to work in Miami? I, I think it's actually going to work pretty well. Everything I've seen from them, um, I don't see some of the issues that I saw. And, and I was a fan of Dennis Hickey, but there were some things about him in terms of being an NFL GM that worried me a little bit. I mean, he was a guy that – was very much in his own little bubble. Um, and then we had a head coach that was kind of, as, as we talked about with, with Greg the other night on uh, Tuesday, was very much kind of, oh, yep, we'll get some nice guys in here and we'll do some great things and it'll be fantastic and I really enjoy it and, and it'll be nice. It'll be really, really nice and we'll make sure everybody's got their shoes tied and their gun wrappers picked up and it, it's going to be nice. You, you, you bet, yep. That's what it says right here on my cue card. Um, whereas you've got a coach now that, that's right in the thick of everything. You've got a GM now 
that's not afraid of, of the media, that's not afraid to put his opinions out there by everything we've seen thus far, that's got an understanding of the scouting system in this league, some of the other areas of the front office that they need to be part of when they're the GM, which we saw Dennis Hickey shy away from, which is the whole reason that I think Tannenbaum got brought in in the first place. And so now you've got this working dynamic between all three of those folks. And if that's the case, I think we're actually going to get some damn good football players um, on this team out of this draft. Not to say that Dennis and Jeff Ireland before him and some of these other GMs that have been here haven't brought some damn good football players in because they have. Um, But I think we're going to see it taken to the next level with these guys because they're able to function as a unit. So sink or swim, they'll be in it together, which is a good thing. Well, I mean, you talk about talent that's been drafted um, under Jeff Ireland, under Dennis Hickey, and and they've all missed. And and realistically, in reality, when you look at Jeff Ireland's drafts, there's really not a lot of those guys still remaining on the team. Um, I think there's a handful without looking at it directly. Dennis Hickey's kind of fell into that same routine. Um, you can credit him with Jarvis Landry. You can credit him with uh, Devontae Parker, who we don't know how he's going to be yet. Really, the dynamic that you, that you think about when you, when you look at these players is, who was the head coach? Adam Gates is the wild card here because we don't know what kind of coach he's going to be. Um, Carson Wentz was, in fact, the uh, pick at number two, which puts the draft clearly in gear now with San Diego picking at number three. About five and a half minutes left in this pick. And, Paul, this is kind of where we're going to really start getting into our show a little bit more. San Diego's been rumored to be attached to Jalen Ramsey. Earlier today, it was Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle. There's also talk of Laramie Tunsil. Where do you see San Diego going with this? Because outside of really any three of those guys could affect what happens for the Dolphins down the road. Yeah, and and for me, I've kind of been linking these guys to Jalen Ramsey uh, at least for the past month, month and a half. They're they're a team that needs somebody to fill the giant hole out in center field that Eric Weddle left when he, when he departed. And let's face it, Jalen Ramsey is the best option to come in and play safety for them um, and occasionally slide out to that nickel spot as needed, but predominantly to be in there playing safety for them. And I think that that's the pick here. I, I can't see anything that makes more sense than that, even though Phillip Rivers was sacked, I believe, 40 times last season. Uh, and they do need to slow by the offensive line. They can do that later on in the draft. They can. Uh, it'll be interesting. There's also some talk of divorce Buckner possibly going to them as well, and we know that they need some defensive edge help. Here's we're going to play a little game tonight, guys, while we're sitting here waiting. Um, for those of you that are listening to us live, um, again, welcome. This is our typically our Tuesday night show with Kat being on. Um, so you can find us here every Tuesday night. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at On the Fin Side, and also go to our Facebook page inside and then go to www.onthefinside.com you can check me out textmedic5 brian miller at finfanatic.com where i'm the editor at make sure to check out that site as well uh but here's the game here's what we're going to do i have a tendency to mute my mic and forget to come back on so if you're drinking and i'm sure most of you are every time paul says hey brian your mic's muted you have to drink 
It's a fun game. Let's see if you can make it to pick 13. Uh, real quick, a shout-out to, uh, to Jim over there in, in Japan. Uh, he has joined us for the last three years. This year he doesn't have a party going on, sadly. Uh, but uh, our shout-out to him. We're being listened to way across the pond on the other side of the world. And, uh, you know, thanks for joining us. It's, it's always a pleasure. The San Diego pick is in. We're going to get back to that in a minute. You know why? Because every time a pick comes in, the network's cut to, uh, to commercial. So with this pick being in, Paul, who do you think this is going to be? Jalen Ramsey makes the most sense far and away above anybody else, so I've got to go with him. Uh, I think, like I said, he fills that backfield role that that Eric Weddle filled for them, and they need this more than anything. There's a lot of needs that they have, but the biggest need they have is filling that center field role with the safety being such an important part of every team in the NFL these days. Yeah, if I, was, if I was San Diego, I'm definitely taking Jalen Ramsey here as well. He, Like you said, he makes the most sense. However... They showed an image on, and I don't know what network I'm actually got the TV turned on to, but they showed an image of um, Jerry Jones with a great big smile on his face, which means that they're not only on the clock, but he knows who was picked. And that big smile seems pretty excited. So the Cowboys are targeting either Jalen Ramsey or Ezekiel Elliott. Um, It'll be very interesting to see what this pick is, because if both of those guys are on the board, the Dallas Cowboys are in a golden position right now to make a trade. And you know Jerry Jones wants to do that. This is a guy that has been trying to to recreate the trade that Jimmy Johnson made so many years ago with Herschel Walker. He is Jones has never found that kind of success and every year he tries to do it and every year he seems to fail. So it would be interesting to see if the Dolphins make that phone call, what it would cost them to move up to four and whether or not Dallas will in fact take that trade. But right now is when we start looking at the positions to see if the Dolphins are going to move up that far, obviously targeting Ezekiel Elliott, which we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. I'm not on board with that. We're still waiting for San Diego to get their pick in. Um, the commissioner's coming to the podium now, and then we'll know whether or not the Dolphins are going to try and make that move if they need to make that move or if Dallas is going to make a quick pick here. Here we go. Third pick. I okay Joey Bosa's the pick here this Paul is huge for the Dolphins because now they're in a position if they want to move up they could take Jalen Ramsey Ramsey they could move up and they could take uh a guy like um oh gosh they could take anybody everybody's still on the board right now um Ramsey's on the board Elliot's on the board all of the you know DeForest Buckner's on the board your three top linemen are on the board what do the Dolphins do here? Do, do you move up knowing that Ramsey's on the board and the Dallas Cowboys want to move out of that position? No. Uh, you'd have to give up far too much to move up to that number four slot. The Dolphins have too many holes right now. And let's face it, Jalen Ramsey, I like him better at safety than corner. <clears throat> and what you're able to do to the cornerback position from 13 on is still damn good and, and still something that, that's going to fill that need as well as several others. And there's not going to be a huge gap separating them in terms of being a corner. The safety position in terms of Kidas and Rashad Jones, once this contract situation gets worked out, are filled and filled well. Um, so, no, you don't make that move up. However, 
I will say that Jerry Jones probably has that smile on his face because the three biggest names that Dallas has been linked to in the past month are Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and Ezekiel Elliott. And all three are still on the board. So if one of those teams behind them wants to jump over Jacksonville, who's also been linked to those two defensive names, or the Ravens, who've been linked to wanting a running back, they can do so, and Dallas will probably still be in position to take one of those three players. So if that smile was on Jerry Jones's face, it could also mean that he's got somebody in his hip pocket that's going to give him an additional pick or two and still let him get one of his three guys. So there's a lot of different drama that can unfold here. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not really on board with trading up here either. But here's, here's the interesting thing. If the Dolphins want Ramsey or they want Elliott and they're willing to trade up, Dallas suddenly becomes a spot you don't have to move up to. Why? Because they're going to take one of those guys off the board, which means you trade with Jacksonville at number five. And it's going to be a little bit cheaper to move down to five than it is up to four. But the interesting thing here is this. There's no guarantee that Jacksonville is going to take Jalen Ramsey if he falls. Everybody says they will, but they're very high on DeForest Buckner, and they're even higher on one of the offensive linemen, probably because they didn't anticipate Ramsey falling. So if the Cowboys go with Ezekiel Elliott, there's a possibility that the Jacksonville Jaguars can't trade out. But right now, how it's shaping up, if you do the live mock right now, you're looking at Ramsey to San Diego. You're looking at Buckner or uh, Laramie Tunsil to Jacksonville. You're looking at Tunsil or Ronnie Stanley to, uh, to Baltimore. And who's still on the board? Ezekiel Elliott, Vernon Hargreaves, Miles Jack. Three players that are possibly on the Dolphins board right now are easily – could potentially move down to about the sixth, seventh, or excuse me, the seventh, eighth, or ninth spot. Um, so it's going to get very, very interesting right here. The Cowboys have not made their pick yet. There's three minutes and 20 seconds left. I guarantee you Jerry Jones is sitting around right now, Paul, taking phone calls, trying to make it seem like they want to trade out of that spot, that they're going to take a player that somebody else wants. Well, I don't think he's taking the phone calls if so. They're, they're actually showing him on NFL Network right now, just sitting there staring off in the space. Same with uh, Garrett and everybody else in that office, just kind of hanging out. I think they know where they're going based on what comes their way, but I think they're going to wait every last second to see what gets offered to them in order to make that move down. Um, Paul, let me ask you a question. When, when you look at the – when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, since we're sitting here talking about them right now, would it surprise you at all if Jerry Jones didn't go with Ramsey or Elliott in this position if he's unable to make a trade? Um, it would not surprise me if, if he didn't go with one of them. Um, it would surprise me if he didn't go with one of those two or Miles Jack. Um, it just they don't need the offensive line help at this point. We all know how damn good their offensive line is, so it would be a little goofy of them to go ahead and take um, Larry Tunzel. And I just don't see him passing up on one of those guys to go after anybody else in this draft, at least not at number four. 
it's it's Jerry Jones. You never know. I mean, for all we know, this is a guy that could very easily go with a Paxton Lynch because he's convinced and he'll tell everybody, well, everything else was a smokescreen. We were just trying to get it out there, but we couldn't get a trade partner, and we wanted the guy that we wanted to take, and it was Lynch. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. This is the kind of thing that Jerry Jones will do. Let's talk a little bit about while we're sitting here waiting. Let's go back to a little bit of our programming history here. Three years ago, 2013, we're on the air. It's our first live draft coverage. We're sitting right here at pick three. Well, actually, it was one pick before. Our show ended pretty quick, Paul, because the Dolphins moved all the way up and took Deion Jordan. And we're both sitting there going, what? Wait a minute. We had we had a three-hour block planned, and we don't need it now. Yeah, but we went ahead and we, we, we kept covering it anyway, uh, which is something that I'm glad that we did because I think it's something that still had a benefit and we got a lot of really good feedback from. But, yeah, it was a little interesting to say the least. Uh, it was definitely surprising to see Jeff Ireland make uh, the move up to do that. But you know what? If Dion hadn't had the uh, – We'll go with gardening issues um, that he did. He would have looked like a genius for it because when he did get on the field before all that, that those issues came up, he looked like that dynamic player that could play defensive end, could play outside linebacker, uh, could cover Rob Gronkowski as well as rush the passer. So he made the right move if those problems had not come out. But, yeah, for us, it, it – it was a little anticlimactic to be uh, looking at it from that angle. Well, Jones is on the phone, so he's obviously making his pick or he's talking to the player that he just made the pick with, or he's sitting there laughing because he was able to make a trade. They're going to keep the pick. So it's a big sigh of relief from a lot of Dolphins fans who thought maybe there was a chance, maybe a chance that they might move up to four, praying to God that they didn't. They didn't. So now we can kind of – take a step back and maybe hopefully we don't see the next few picks, but it's always a possibility. Um, DeForest Buckner, an option for the Dallas Cowboys here. I I really think Paul, when it comes down to it, this is Jalen Ramsey. It's written all over uh, the Dallas Cowboys. They need cornerback help. They could use another safety. This guy, day one at both positions. I'd say it's either Jalen Ramsey or Miles Jack here, even though I know there's all those reports today that, he may slide down to 20. He may slide out of the first round. He may never walk again, depending on who you listen to. Um, but he's a dynamic player. He has a lot of versatility to that defense. And he is one of those name guys that Jerry Jones covets. And Jerry Jones loves having those name guys, the ones that are identifiable, and give him a little bit of that limelight there. And I think it's one of those two. Yeah, and, and Miles Jack is a very big possibility here. Um, he was a guy that I mocked to him, what, two weeks ago when we did our final mock draft that he would be taken here. I, I still oh. think it's going to be Ramsey today. It's, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Well, there you go. Okay, so for those of you who were hoping that the Dolphins weren't going to draft a running back, as I can see Shane in our chat room was not on board with that. Uh, and I know you weren't either, Paul. Ezekiel Elliott is off the board. This is actually not a bad thing, to be quite honest with you. Um, at 13, I think he would have been a really good pick. But when you start talking about the Dolphins moving up to eight or moving up to seven in order to draft him, you're giving up picks to move all the way up there. 
Elliott's going to fit in really good with the Cowboys, but the Dolphins don't have a desperate need at running back. They do at linebacker. They do at offensive line, and they do have one at cornerback. This, as uh, Matt Stevens just said in our chat room as well, is an opportunity for the Dolphins to move back when their pick comes up at 13. This is a very good opportunity for them to move back because right now, Paul, there's only two guys really sitting on the board right now that if you're the Dolphins, you're looking at specifically, and that is Jalen Ramsey, who's probably going to be off the board with the next pick at Jacksonville, and Miles Jack, and you don't know if he's going to fall either. Elliott was the wild card here, and Elliott's gone at four. Uh, I definitely think Elliott was a wild card. For this, uh, I think Elliot was a guy for me that I wanted to see fall to 13, but only if Miami was going to use him as trade bait to get one of those teams that really, really coveted the guy to move up and take him and accumulate picks um, as, as they trade down. So I'm happy he's gone. I'm happy that, that all temptations are moved. I think it would have been a wasted pick, and I know I'm not in the majority here on that, but I think it would have been a waste of pick to go Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. Those first-round running backs that are impact players and huge difference makers, which I think Ezekiel will be behind that Dallas defense or behind that Dallas offensive line. Which, let's face it, you and I could rush for three and a half yards of carry behind that offensive line. Um, is uh, they're not guys that last until the middle of the first round if they're that high above everybody else, which we're seeing with Ezekiel here. Um, But, yeah, I'm excited that they did not end up getting Ezekiel. Coming into this draft, after the season ended, Elliott was not high on my list, and I think there was many times that I said I really didn't want the Dolphins to draft him. Um, As I watched game film of his play, I realized that this is a guy that could really change the game. But then as you start diving into things that weren't highlight film – you realize that there's some areas that he needed to improve on, um, and some of it became a concern, but then you start seeing that it evens out a little bit with guys like Derrick Henry or even a, a guy like uh, C.J. Procise who could be had in round four or five, and you start thinking these are guys that are kind of jungled, jumbled together, and Elliott doesn't stand out worthy of an, a 13th overall pick in the first round when the production that you could possibly get out of fourth or fifth round pick uh, could be just as good. And to be honest with you, I kind of like the Dolphins' recent picks in four and five. Jay Ajayi last year, he looks like he's really going to be a serviceable back. And then you go back to Lamar Miller four years ago, and he really was. I think you can get the guys that you want to get later in the draft at that position. Trading up to four was not an option. Congratulations, Dallas. Agreed. And, and I will say, and I've said this on the show as well, I'm not a big Derrick Henry fan. He seems like a very slow-footed runner when he's on the field. I don't care what his 40 time says. When he's out there, it seems like his field vision, et cetera, is not where I would like it to be for an NFL level. Um, but there are a number of guys like Devontae Booker, Paul Perkins, um, Devon, um, Devon Johnson, uh, Marshall, that I really, really like in that third through six round time frame, and guys that I think can come in and be immediate impact players and a great compliment to Jay Ajayi. So I'm not upset about this. I will be upset if they go with a Derrick Henry um, in any round at this point, but I think that there's a lot of value that they can have in the later rounds here. So I'm glad Ezekiel went to Dallas. 
Yeah, well, when we had our show on uh, this past Tuesday, you had made that very clear as well, that he was one of the guys that you would be potentially throwing things at your TV for um, if the Dolphins drafted him. I think it was more in line of that they traded up, but still, it, it, was, a, it was a good idea. That the Cowboys really kind of had him in their sights. They needed a running back. I think Elliott's going to be a great fit behind that stellar offensive line that the Cowboys have. But you know what? Tony Romo still has not finished the season. Uh, he didn't finish last year. Uh, he was injured the year before sporadically. So they're going to have to address that situation uh, in the coming season, or they're going to be laying right on their back regardless of what Ezekiel Elliott can or can't do. They're hoping that they get another DeMarcus or DeMarco Murray. Uh, we'll see how that translates for them. The pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars is in, and, of course, we're going to wait. Paul, there's a couple of ways that Jacksonville can go here. Jalen Ramsey obviously is a top choice, but they're really looking at another defensive end to pair with uh, with um, uh, Jared Odrick, uh, who's defensive end, defensive tackle. So you're looking at a guy like DeForest Buckner here. Joey Bosa was a guy that they really were considering. He's obviously off the board at number three. And then you've got to look at the other side of the ball where the offensive line's at, where they've needed some help as well. And that's when you start talking about Laramie Tunsil. Where do you think the Jacksonville is going to go? Obviously, keeping a homegrown guy here in, uh, in Ramsey makes a lot of, lot of sense for Jacksonville. I, I think Ramsey is too good of a player for Jacksonville to pass up. They did a lot with their offense. Uh, and as much as I like Laramie Tunsil, I think he could come in and be a big help for them on offense. I still think, like I said before about the offensive line in later rounds, that they can get value there that can protect um, Blake Bortles and help with their run game, whereas they're not going to find a Jalen Ramsey later in this draft. And round one is about getting those that you're not going to be able to find later. Um, and and yep. if Jalen Ramsey's still on the board here like he is, I, I can't imagine them passing him up. Yeah, well, here, here's the other thing, too, is there's been a lot of talk in the last few days about Miles Jack going to Jacksonville, who does need a linebacker. They've entertained him I think two or three times in their facility. So we could see Miles Jack go here as well, which would be shocking because then all of a sudden you get Baltimore on the clock who could go Ramsey or anybody else. We'll see. I still think it's Ramsey, but then again, I said that the last three picks. It's Jalen Ramsey. Okay. So I'm like, my, my, my TV is like about a minute off. So you can announce the pick because I'm a little bit late on it. I've got like about a five-second delay. But this makes the most sense for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a solid pick. He's already going to come into Jacksonville with a home state fan base already built in. The Jacksonville Jaguars need that. Um, this is a team that is starting to ascend a little bit. Um, but you've got to have defensive playmakers, and you've got to have people that can stand up in front of your organization. Jalen Ramsey's that guy. When you look at the Dolphins situation right now, we have to assume that the uh, Baltimore Ravens are going to go offensive line. San Francisco is going to be a wild card here. They could go offensive line. They could go cornerback. They could also go quarterback, which a lot of people think might be a little too high for them. And then all of a sudden we're talking about the Cleveland Browns at number eight, we know that the Dolphins are no longer in play to move up, but it's going to get very interesting here now, and we should start seeing these offensive tackles come off the board that is also going to allow guys like Vernon Hargreaves or Miles Jack to fall to 13. And the more that I look at this board, the more it seems like Jack is going to be in play at 13 for the Dolphins. It wouldn't surprise me if Miles Jack is still in play for the Dolphins. But there are a lot of teams here that need linebacker help. Uh, there's reportedly teams that view 
Miles Jack more as a safety uh, at the NFL level. So they could still bring him into play in, in terms of the safety position. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland is still talking to Miami at this point, trying to see if they want to move up to try to get a guy like Miles Jack. I wouldn't like to see him move up to get Miles Jack. I think Miles is a guy that you take if he falls to you. But there's too many options you could take at 13. There's too many options you could take if you move down that will have just the same amount of impact on this team and on defense. So I don't want to see them make that move up, and I'm hoping that a lot of folks let him slide or that Miami goes with Raglan or they trade down. Yeah, it'll, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here. Let's talk about some of the players that are still on the board that could interest Miami. Right now, obviously, Ramsey's off the board. Ezekiel Elliott was the guy that a lot, a lot of people excuse me, thought was going to maybe last at 13. Obviously, he didn't. But now we're talking guys like defensive end DeForest Buckner. If Buckner slides down that far, I think the Dolphins would be absolutely uh, smart to take a guy like that. You look at a guy like uh, Leonard Floyd, who looks like he's penciled into the Giants now, which is going to allow somebody else to drop. And then you've got to start considering the cornerbacks. Jackson the third, William Jackson the third, Eli Apple. You start talking about the possibility of Hargraves moving down. But to be honest with you, Paul, when I'm looking at the draft boards right now and I see the players that are still on there, there's maybe one or two guys tops that I'm staying at 13 and picking. The worst case scenario is that I can't find a trade partner and I'm stuck at 13. And that's a very big possibility as well because as I'm looking at this, the potential of some players being at 13 that might entice somebody else to drop to jump up to 13, they're starting to kind of fall out as well. Yeah, and, and it's really going to vary based upon how front offices see some of these players. I, I'd like to see a scenario where they're able to trade down, but there are four or five guys, if they do get stuck at 13, that I can still see them going with. I think everybody that we listed on our boards on Tuesday is still there, still available, and still a possibility, which also means if they are able to trade down, we'd still be able to see them get somebody that was on our top five target board. So a lot to shake out here, but I'm I'm still on the Miles Jack or Reggie Ragland bandwagon, even if they trade down a little bit, if if that comes to play. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against Reggie Ragland if the Dolphins trade back. I don't think they should take him at 13. Um, as much as I like Miles Jack, I think he's the best linebacker in this in this draft. There are legitimate concerns about his knee, and I know people keep harping on it. The Dolphins don't seem to be all that uh, upset about it or worried about it. But you know what? There's always potential. There's always possibilities. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Dolphins do here. But for me. When I start, you know, we, we see a lot of people in our chat rooms talking about trading back and trading back. You've got to have a willing partner to trade up with. And it's not so much picking up the phone and saying, hey, guys, guess what? We don't want to pick at 13. How about you take it? Give us your third-round pick. Um, you know, you've got to have interest there. And when you start talking about the players that are falling, that's where things are going to get interesting because guys like Buckner are going to be off the board. Nobody's going to trade up to 13 for a quarterback. So will somebody want to trade up for a guy like Miles Jack? Will somebody want to trade up for Vernon Hargreaves? Will somebody want to trade up for a Jack Conklin or a Leonard Floyd? And those are the type of guys that you start looking at because really what happens is once some of those guys are off the board, everything kind of evens out. And, and if you're looking for a defensive back, 
there's still guys on the board that you can get. If you're, there's, what I'm trying to say here is there's not a lot of teams in front of maybe the 20th pick that you're going to go, they're going to take my guy. I've got to get up in front of him. Right, and, and, and I'm with you there. I do think that they do need to be smart about how they move back. And I do think they could grab Reggie Ragland if they slid back a little ways. Although I also wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders were, were to snatch him up right behind Miami. So I think he's a player that works out in the end, whether people are happy with the pick or not, right off the get-go. If he works out in Miami, people are going to very quickly forget how unhappy they were with when the guy get to, got, get, gets taken uh, in this draft. So, again, it, it, it's very much a situation where – you need to let it play out, even if you're upset with the pick, if you're listening to this. You need to let it play out, see how it plays out, see how the guy works out um, over the course of a year or two, and and really see what Miami gets as a return on that investment before you look back and go, okay, that was a wasted pick, or that was a great pick either. Well, looking back at the last few picks or the last few years of the Dolphins draft, we know the Devontae Parker wide receiver and offensive threat was drafted last year. The Dolphins waited until round four to take a guard, Jamil Douglas, uh, and they didn't address the offensive line at all the rest of the draft. The year before that, Juwan James goes in the first round. You've got Billy Turner going in the third. Will the Dolphins address the offensive line? Probably not until day two, or as Paul alluded to, maybe day three. The Baltimore Ravens pick is in. Paul, you're going to call this one as soon as it comes up. I'm guessing tons. Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle. Okay. I, I'm not doing very good tonight with my picks. I'm getting the positions right, at least most of them. There has been a lot of talk about Stanley being that guy uh, that was going into leapfrog tons. So let me ask you, and we're going to have Cat calling in here in just a minute, but what is the deal with Laramie Tunsil? Why is this guy who was not more than a month and a half ago – the number one pick in this draft until Tennessee traded out of it. I think between Tennessee trading out, uh, between Cleveland trading out, it really put things in a funky situation for him. And, you know, it's with these top offensive tackles, it's a pick your flavor. And obviously for Ozzie Newsome, Ronnie Stanley is a guy that he likes for their system above uh, Larry Tunsil. It doesn't mean that he's the better offensive tackle. It just means that he is the best offensive tackle for the system that they want to run. Uh, a lot of folks have had them very close at one and two in terms of the offensive tackle position. But, again, it's very much a situation where it's their particular flavor that they choose. And I think we're actually going to go ahead and get Kat's thoughts here on it. Kat, what do you think of this picker, Ronnie Stanley, out of Laramie Tunzel? You know, uh, the word was that the Chargers were interested in taking Stanley over Tunzel. Uh, at three, now that you get down to six, you know, it's even more shocking that they're thinking about it. You know, Stanley is that natural left tackle player, six six, three hundred nineteen pounds. But Stanley was a player that I thought was the best overall player in the entire draft, even though there wasn't a lot separating them. Uh, when you look at how that relates to the Dolphins, uh, now that we're at pick number seven, not only would I take Laramie Tunzel at thirteen if he fell but I would also even consider trading a third-round pick to get him and have he and Juwan James as your bookends for the next, you know, 10 years. And, uh, man, oh, man, it's, it's, it's pretty shocking right now that Laramie Tunzel is available with the number seven pick. 
Yeah, you know, the other option, too, is when you start thinking about Laramie Tunsil falling to 13, you have to think that a team like the Tennessee Titans might be making phone calls to the Cleveland Browns at number eight and moving up to get this guy. Tennessee had been rumored to want to do that for a while and possibly move back into the top ten to take him. It would be ironic with the amount of picks that they were able to generate from the trade with the Rams to move back up into the eighth spot with the Cleveland Browns who traded out of two and get the guy they were penciled in to draft number one overall, saving not only a lot of money, but probably getting, you know, a pretty good amount of picks out of it after they give Cleveland some as well. So it's going to get very interesting. Kat, I wanted to ask you, when you start looking at this draft, there's not been a lot of shocks, but I guess the biggest surprise so far, Joey Bosa, number three to San Diego. Yeah, and it wasn't really a surprise in terms of where Bosa was taken. You know, we're, we're talking about, a, a, you know, a guy that was projected to go in, in the top eight, really, from dating back to last year. But at, at number three, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting because it's, it's, it depends on where he's going to play because they play a 3-4, they play a defensive end spot. Uh, Joey Bosa plays defensive end. He also can play outside linebacker as well. Um, so, but, you know, it, the pre-draft rumors were, you know, Laramie Tunzel, Ronnie Stanley, DeForest Buckner, Jalen Ramsey to the Chargers at three. No talk of Joey Bosa at all, and that's probably how the Chargers wanted it. Absolutely, and it's very interesting now, Kat, when you start thinking about how this draft is going to play out for the Dolphins. Miles um, Jack, very possible that he falls to 13. Uh, you look at Vernon Hargraves. Very possible that we're talking about him at 13. Um, and then you factor in guys like Eli Apple and William Jackson the third. You look at a guy like DeForest Buckner. We don't know where he's going to go at now. So there's a lot of potential here when you start talking about the fact that Miami's picking in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six more picks in front of them, and the Dolphins are on the clock. And I can right. rattle off four players right now. And, Brian, too, when you look at uh, how much I've bashed the Dolphins for going from eight down to 13, uh, it doesn't look like too bad of a move now unless you start seeing that quick run. Uh, like you said, I would be, even though I'm not the biggest DeForest Buckner fan, I would be okay with him at 13 if he fell to that spot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tunzel, uh, obviously I would as well. Vernon Hargraves, I would. Heck, you know, going back to your guy, Jack Conklin, I would do that too. So now this pick right here, unless you start seeing a run, and or you start, or the Dolphins pick somebody at 13 who's not of the value, then it, it makes this trade down look like a pretty good option. So we'll see what happens. Miles Jack and Laramie Tunza right now are one two on my board. So we'll see what happens. Before you before you go, let me ask you um, the all the talk about Miles Jack. He's been very popular today in terms of uh, that rumored guy that's going to just keep sliding and sliding. Are you concerned with this guy's knee being a de- excuse me degenerative condition, or is this guy going to be? Hey, he is going to be exactly what he's built. Uh, no, not really concerned for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he's an elite talent. He's an elite superstar. Uh, he's a rare chess piece. I look at him as a better version of Thomas Davis, who I think is every bit the reason why the Carolina Panthers are as good as what they were as what they have been on defense over the last couple of years. And you know what? If, if Miles Jack plays five or six years for the Dolphins and it plays at a high level, then I think that's worth it. Imagine the Dolphins uh, on their defensive line having Sue, Wake, and Mario Williams. And at linebacker, you add Jack into the mix. Say Rashad Jones comes back and you know quits this nonsense. 
then you have the ability to flip-flop Miles Jack and Rashad Jones at that linebacker in that safety spot. Uh, you know, I, I think he the, – the downside is, is considerable, but I think the upside is superstar-like. Yeah, and you've got if you're going to do this, you take a risk on a player that has that kind of potential. You don't take this kind of risk on a guy that, well, you know what, he might be able to achieve this. Miles Jack is good, and if he wasn't hurt, he would have been off the board already, probably to Dallas at four, if not San Diego to three. So this is a guy that has all that potential, world-class, blue-chip potential, and if you get him at 13, it's a value. And you know what, if he doesn't work out, believe me, I can go down the list of number one picks – Deion Jordan, I can go back to, to Jared Audrick, Vontae Davis, Jake Long, the list goes on, Ted Ginn, that we've wasted first-round picks on. And that's not to say that guys like Jared Audrick were bad picks. They're not on the team anymore. You need a guy you're going to build your future on, and this is a risk that I think I would have to take if he was there. I won't be disappointed if they don't, but if they do, I'll be pretty happy with it. We'll see what's going to go, uh, what's going to happen here. The 49ers have their pick in uh, as well, so that means that the Cleveland Browns are on the clock. The eighth position that the Dolphins held for the, the first time. Um, so, Kat, any thoughts on what, you know, when you look at this, if Miami had stayed at eight, you're talking Miles Jack, you're talking Vernon Hargraves, you're talking now possibly Laramie Tunsil. And he's gone. You know, the, the interesting thing about this is, is I look at it like this. With the eighth pick, when the Dolphins come on the clock – the Dolphins already made a selection. They took Kiko Alonso, the linebacker. They took Byron Maxwell, the cornerback. Those were that's who the Dolphins picked, Paul, at the eighth pick. Yeah, Miami already got two starters on the eighth pick, and they're picking again at thirteenth. Um, which, let's face it, uh, they may not be. The force like, like Cat was saying about about Tennessee. The, the force Buckner is the selection for San Francisco. Not a huge surprise, maybe a mild surprise. I thought they might have gone in a different direction, um, possibly offensive line. But, again, we're talking another player that wasn't on the board, Paul, uh, for the Dolphins at 13, that now suddenly you're looking at a guy like Laramie Tunsil. You're looking at Miles Jack. You're looking at Hargraves. I keep saying these names over and over again. The Dolphins would have been on the clock, which you were just talking about. So go ahead and go on back to that. Cleveland's on here now. We'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, if if Tunsil continues to slide, which I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland were to take him or Jack off the board here, but if Tunsil does continue to slide and is there at 13, as much as I do like Tunsil, I wouldn't be shocked if Miami's able to get Tennessee to give up a few of these picks that they've accumulated and move up and get the guy they wanted at number one to begin with. So there's a lot of interesting possibilities playing out for the Dolphins here to be able to add multiple players out of this one pick that they moved back and accumulated. Yeah, when you look at what Cleveland wants right now, it's going to get very interesting as to to what they're going to do here. Obviously, they could use some defensive line help. Offensive line is also an issue, is, a, is a situation. Well, we have a trade was, coming through. Just so you know. Okay, we have so will this be Tennessee? Tennessee would be my thought. If the Dolphins have traded up here, I will be shocked. The Dolphins were also uh, one of those teams that were considering moving up here. So we're going to see what's going to happen here real quick. But very interesting. My guess, and I've been wrong, Miami or Tennessee is going to be in a spot. And I think it's because of of Tunsil being there. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Giants give up a little bit to move up two spots to go after Tunsil. 
they're a team that's in dire need of offensive line help. I mean, dire need. They already right. invest in their defense very heavily this offseason, but they don't have very many guys that can keep Eli Manning upright. And Eli was turning into a chuck and duck last season, given the fact that the offensive line couldn't protect him. So Larry Tuzzle on the board, don't be shocked if the Giants are trying to leapfrog Tampa Bay and secure this guy here. And really, for those of you wondering if the Dolphins are going to make oh, this Tennessee. move up here, while it's – see, hey, I was right. And this is what I was just talking about with Cat. The Tennessee Titans moving up here, <laughs> getting the guy that they were penciled in to take, number one overall, they're getting him at eight. It's amazing. The, the, the eighth pick has traded spots four to, three times. Miami to Philadelphia, Philadelphia to Cleveland, Cleveland to, to uh, Tennessee. This is the pick that nobody wants. But now Cleveland's going to move back to 15, and they're going to have an opportunity, a better opportunity, to possibly address their quarterback position because there's no way you draft a quarterback at eight with the guys that are left on the board. 15, you might be able to trade even further back. Sashi Brown is turning this into a, a slew of picks for the, uh, for the Cleveland Browns this year. The only question is going to be is can they use them? Tennessee moving up to take Tunsil makes the most sense in the world. And again, we're talking about guys falling to Miami. It'll be interesting to see if the Dolphins can move a pick back or two um, and, and maybe get a couple of, maybe an, an extra third round pick this year, because that's really what we're going to be looking at. Um, one of the guys in our chat room mentioned the possibility of taking Artie Burns at 13. Uh, that would be. I think that's when I start chucking things at my TV. Um, Burns is a late, late first, uh, second round uh, projected player from everything that I've read. So that's a little bit high for, for Artie Burns. I love the kid's talent. I just don't love the kid's talent at 13. Um, so now we're moving on from, from Tennessee. We're moving to Tampa Bay, Paul. This is a team that needs cornerback help. This is a very big possibility that we could see a guy like Vernon Hargreaves go off the board here. Yeah, and, and I will say the commissioner is walking up to the podium right now with the Titan selection. I don't think there's anybody in the world that doesn't think that this is Laramie Tunzel. And let's see who, who he goes ahead and reads off here. Yeah, have, I haven't heard the, the trade parameters yet. I'd like to know how much it costs them to move from 15 to 8. Here it is now. All right, the Titans selected Jack Conklin. Something's going on wow. with Laramie Tunsil. Something is going on with Laramie Tunsil because that is very surprising to me. Cat just called this. He said he wouldn't be surprised to see Tennessee move up to take Tunsil or take Conklin. Conklin was my number one rated offensive lineman on the board. He was a guy that I would have absolutely loved to have seen Miami take at 13. I would not have taken him here. I'm shocked that Laramie Tunsil's still on the board. And I got to ask, Paul, have you heard anything out there at all that would indicate why this guy is dropping like he is? Is Earlier today, or yesterday, oh, there was a report well, that his well, father-in-law... Before, before we get to that, um, they just showed the uh, compensation for the pick. So let me go ahead and see if I can back him, bring it back up. Um, it's the 15th overall like pick for the picks. Browns. Yeah, um... Let's see if we can get that back up here real quick for you, and I'll tell you what it is uh, so that we know what's going on here. 
the Cleveland Browns are going to get the 15th overall pick, a third-round pick, and a second-round pick in 2017. The Tennessee Titans are getting a sixth-round pick this year and, of course, the eighth overall pick. It's actually a steal for the Tennessee Titans when you factor in what they were able to get from the St. Louis Rams. They're giving up a second-round pick next year that was a Rams pick. It's really not a big deal for them. So, uh, you know, But to me, what I'm going to go back to here real quick, Paul, there was a report out that Tunsil is being sued by, and I, I think I've got the right player, being sued by his father-in-law, or his stepfather, rather, uh, for assault. And it's not the first time that this has happened, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, I could have the player wrong here, but is that something that might cause a guy like Tunsil to drop? I highly doubt it. Uh, I think something along those lines is probably – a little too loose just because it, it's it's not a huge public issue that happened. It's not a huge domestic violence against, you know, the opposite sex. Um, it's some issue that happened internal between him and his stepfather. And I don't think that's enough unless it's something absolutely egregious, in which case it would have been plastered everywhere that you would have seen that be the case. You're right. Um, so the, Saint, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have, uh, they're still on the clock. Their pick is not in yet. Following Tampa Bay is the Giants. The Giants have been really linked quite a bit lately to defensive end Leonard Floyd. Apparently they love this guy. He's kind of rangy, reminds me a little bit of Deion, excuse me, Deion Jordan. But with Tunsil on the board, I'd have to imagine that there's got to be serious consideration to Tunsil at 10. Then you've got Chicago, who's probably going to go defensive line, and New Orleans, who's probably going to go defensive tackle. Um, and then that sets up Miami. Miles Jack could very well be and should be available at 13. Now, if there's any teams behind Miami that are interested in Jack or Hargreaves, they're probably going to have to jump up in front of Miami unless they can convince Miami to trade out of that pick if that's who's there. So... Very interesting draft so far. Laramie Tunsil's the big slider of the day. Only a month and a half, two months ago, was penciled in as the top pick in the draft. Here we are in pick nine, and he's still on the board. You're listening to On the Fin Side's live draft coverage for the next, oh, I don't know, um, how much time we got remaining here. For the next hour, we're going to be on the air covering the draft uh, for you. Remember to follow us on Twitter at On the Fin Side. Follow us on Facebook or like our Facebook page, On the Fin Side. And make sure that you stop by our new website, www.onthefinside.com, uh, where we are going to be having loads of content for you uh, as the months progress because this is a new site and we're starting to kind of get things going. Be there for when it all starts. You can say, hey, I remember when they posted their first article. Um, the Buccaneers have traded, Paul. We have another trade. The Buccaneers have traded their pick. Who do you see? I've got to imagine somebody's jumping up to get Larry Tunsil here, don't you think? Yeah, for me, it, it, it's somebody wants Tunsil here. And as much as I like Miles Jack, Tunsil is the one guy that I see somebody coming up to get at this point. Um, Chicago. And that no, that's not that's not surprising. It makes sense. Chicago could have mm-hmm. could use offensive line help, and they were talking. There was a lot of talk about them possibly going with Jack Conklin there. With Conklin being off the board to Tennessee, 
Laramie Tunsil makes the most sense for Chicago, who is going to have to jump up in front of the New York Giants, who would have taken Laramie Tunsil, or at least was projected to take Laramie Tunsil. They're jumping up to get the offensive line that they need. The Buccaneers are going to get the 11th overall pick. It's going to cost Chicago a fourth rounder to move up. Not a bad idea. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when the Dolphins spent a fourth round pick to move up one spot for, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, Help me out. Way back 2004, oh gosh, Vernon Carey, the guard, they traded with the Minnesota Vikings. They gave up a fourth round pick to literally move up one spot to take Vernon Carey. Um, Chicago's moving up one spot here or two spots up here to get uh, to get what we have to believe is Laramie Tunsil. I, I agree. And you had to leapfrog the Giants to be able to go after Laramie Tunsil here. The, if he was still on the board at 10, I couldn't see the Giants going in any direction other than Laramie Tunsil. Uh, and this puts the Giants in a very interesting position as well because essentially after Laramie Tunsil, there's no one – on the offensive line that really warrants that, that pick here in the first round at number 10. So the Giants could be in a position where they're looking to fire sale their pick to move back and go somewhere that makes sense for them. Yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting. Tampa Bay moving back. This, to me, you got to start thinking about how this would affect the Dolphins' selection here. And I have to imagine that Tampa Bay needing a cornerback uh, will probably go with a guy like Vernon Hargreaves in that position, knowing that when they look at the board, he's probably going to be available. They might even go with Miles Jack, although I don't think that they have as big a need there as they do at cornerback. So we'll see what's going to happen, but it's got to be tons. I completely agree. And the commissioner's at the podium. Let's see who we've got here. Um, <clears throat> They're playing around yeah, a little this, bit with. <laughs> I I missed who I missed who they introduced there, uh, but um, again, we're talking about the Chicago Bears being on right now with the trade up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they gave up a fourth round pick and the eleventh overall pick to move up two spots. To, uh, to this position recently in this draft, only one pick ago, the Tennessee Titans move up to number eight with the Cleveland Browns in order to take Jack Conklin, the offensive tackle out of Michigan State. A little bit of a surprise here um, so that we can uh, – uh, Chicago obviously moving up, which we have to believe is going to be Laramie Tunsil of Ole Miss. Let's say they're uh... – They've got Walter Payton's wife, and that's Anquan Bolden up there with him, who won, I believe, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So I think they're up here to introduce the pick. All right. Well, again, the Dolphins are on the will be on the clock. Four picks after this, you've got the New York Giants, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just moved back from this position. Um, and then you've got New Orleans. New Orleans, we understand, is, is going defensive tackle. Probably Sheldon Rankins in that position. Tampa Bay is kind of a wild card. We're not quite sure where Tampa Bay is going to go at the moment uh, with them moving back. Um, and then, of course, you've got the New York Giants, who, for all intent and purposes, they were going to probably go Laramie Tunsil. Uh, they still might if Chicago doesn't take him. But the big talk here has been them going with uh, with Leonard Floyd the last few days. So, We'll see what happens there. We're still waiting uh, for the 
<clears throat> broadcast networks to cover this. Goodell has not made his way out to the podium to actually announce the pick. He's doing so now. Uh, they're prancing out a bunch of kids from the Chicago area by the looks of it. Obviously, this is the local pick, Paul, with the draft being held in Chicago this year. So there's a little bit of weight to it. Yeah, I was going to say, they're they're definitely playing it up to the home crowd here. Um, and Goodell's hamming it up for folks, and, and I don't want to dive into anything else when he's up there to announce the selection when he eventually gets around to it, which, let's face it, with the draft, they end up getting themselves logjammed while the teams aren't on a hold in the background at this point. So the Giants are already scrambling around, doing what they need to do now that the pick is in. And so they're getting themselves backed up as, as we move forward here. Let's see who they took, and they took Leonard Floyd, linebacker. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, so it does look like the again, Giants will have their crack at something. Again, Laramie Tunsil's falling, but if you look at this, this makes sense. With all of the rumors and talk about the Giants going after Laramie Tunsil, you jump up – or going after Leonard Floyd, you jump up in front of them – to take the guy that you actually want. And that's exactly what they did. This is going to open up the prospect for the New York Giants at 10 to take who they want. They need offensive line help in a bad way. Will Laramie Tunsil be that guy, or will they go with an offensive lineman here, Paul? I think, I think it will be Laramie Tunsil along that offensive line. I think he was the guy that as soon as he started sliding, they were staring dead at. Um, they invested so much in their defense this offseason that the thing that makes the most sense for them is going with that offensive line pick. So they're ecstatic that Chicago didn't move up and take Tunzel. Um, it's, I'm a little shocked because unless they thought Tampa Bay was going to take Leonard Floyd, I couldn't imagine they thought that the Giants were going to take Floyd um, if Tunzel was still on the board. That being the case, it's I think the Giants pick will be in pretty quickly here because I don't think there's anybody else on this board that's going to be shining out to them as much as Tunzel is. Well, I, well, actually, I disagree because I think that with what we've heard recently in the past two to three days with Leonard Floyd, that that was the big target for the Giants. If you're an NFL team, you don't risk it if the guy you absolutely 100% want could potentially be taken one pick before you. We thought that the Tennessee Titans were going to trade up for Tunsil. We thought that Tunsil might go to the Baltimore Ravens or even San Diego, and yet he's continuing to fall. So as you're looking at this, you have to be thinking in your head here. Tennessee just traded all the way up to number eight to take uh, Jack Conklin instead of Tunsil. Where's the red flag? Are the Giants having this red flag too? So I see where they're going at with this. Uh, moving up, it, it makes sense to me. You're giving up a fourth-round pick. It didn't look like the Chicago fans were really all that on board with that selection there, Paul. No, it didn't. But you know what? It's Leonard Floyd is going to be a difference maker for their defense. And like we were talking about earlier, when a guy's a difference maker um, and you've taken him in the first round, they may not be on board right now, but they will be on board eventually. He's a guy that can come in and can rush the pass or can do a lot of special things for that outside linebacker spot. It is a great fit for that Chicago defense, which slacked off a little bit for a team that's been known for its defense for decades at this point. So they need some help along that defense. Uh, they need some help on offense. They need some help in a lot of places. But I, I think it was actually a very good selection for them. And, and while there may be some red flags on Tunzel, once you get behind Tunzel, 
there's a huge drop-off in terms of offensive line help unless you're considering the center position, which I don't think the Giants are looking at this high or this early. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that's a player that you can get in in the second round, and I think that's really, you know, where they might look for a center. But I, I think when you start talking about these guys, especially these players on the offensive line, there are guys in the second round that you could target. You could, you're talking Cody Whitehair is a possibility, um, a player that I've, I've actually said the Dolphins might look at. You start looking at a guy like um, – uh, Vlad Alexander is another player that you could probably see the the a team like uh, New York going with. So we'll see what they do here. The pick is in, which so, means Tampa Bay's on the clock. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Cat is back on the line. Right. Before we jump, to I mean, that, what? Point, how, game, how bad? Is oh, hold there. on a minute, it Cat. Is, Paul, what was? One thing that Ian Rappaport just threw out there is that there was a video posted to Laramie Tunzel's Twitter account involving some form of, of marijuana use. And that is what's red flagging him for a lot of teams here. So I guess that explains his free fall. Um, we'll see what, what comes of that, but there's a lot of teams out there that are worried. And that's what Rappaport's hearing. Um, interesting. Cause I, I didn't know that my, my response would be, I don't give one single damn about his marijuana use. Uh, if, if he's falling to 13th in the draft, are you kidding? He was number one on my board heading in. That That's something crazy. But if it is going to be a potential catastrophe in terms of PR, then I can at least see why he's falling a little bit. But, um, you know, just just don't smoke marijuana anymore when you come to the NFL. I, I know that's uh, yeah, easier said than done when you – when you're the Dolphins brain trust and Deion Jordan, you've, you've dealt with all those problems, but you know, just put him in the drug use program, put him in left tackle, release Brandon Albert before the season, save $8.5 million. And now you've got your bookend tackles for the next 10 years. Paul or Kat, when you're, when you look at this, I mean, obviously Tunsil falling is kind of surprising. Does this help the Dolphins at all at 13? If he's on the board at 13, wanting to trade back, if Tunzel's there at 13, I want the Dolphins to take him. But, uh, I, you know, if, if things are this bad to where you're talking about a kid who a couple of weeks ago may have been number one pick in the draft, now we're talking about him at 13, I don't think anybody's going to trade up for him because of those concerns if they're that bad. But I would take him at 13. I am shocked that Tunzel and Miles Jack are available right now at this point in the draft. You know, it's funny because we're talking about who would fall. Would anybody fall, Paul? Could anybody actually fall? Would the, the Dolphins be looking at a guy like William Jackson the third, and people say, you know, that's kind of a a, uh, a reach. But now, Miles Jack, Laramie Tunsil, you're looking at, um, you know, Vernon Hargreaves is still on the board. Uh, there's so much going on here, and the Dolphins are three picks away. Yeah, it, it's Laramie Tunsil I saw sliding in the top ten, but I didn't see him sliding out of the top ten. Um, leading up to this. If he gets past the Giants here, who knows what's going to happen. Miles Jack, I know he's a guy we talked about on the show Tuesday, as potentially sliding. As medical reports have come out, that confirmed it even further that he may potentially slide. But I'm going to cut off real quick. Here we go. Commissioners at the podium with the Giants selection, and Eli Apple has come off the board to go play corner for the Giants, which is a shock to me. Okay, Kat, we got you on here. This is the first shock for me. 
calling. Uh, I'm actually outside, so, you, so, so yeah, I'm I'm outside, so you're gonna have to fill me in. Eli Apple, Eli Apple New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a shock for several reasons. I, I I didn't think the the Giants had that big of a need a cornerback. Um, and Eli Apple, six one, two hundred and four pounds. I'm actually relieved at this point in the draft that that he's off the board. Um, you know, on paper he looks really good, but I, I think when you look at him, there's something missing. I, I call it the Amobia Koye syndrome. When you look back at years past, yeah, back in 2007, Mo- Mobia Koye was a kid, 19 years old, looked the part, and everybody assumed that he was going to continue to develop. Eli Apple is one of the youngest players in this draft, only about a year older than, than Koye is. So Eli Apple is going to be not even 21 years old at the time the season begins. So very shocking to me. But Jerry Reese is a player who likes uh, height, weight, triangle numbers type of players. Real quick, guys, I want to go back to Laramie Tunsil here with this slide, something that you guys might not be aware of. Uh, credit Matt Stevens in the chat room right now uh, for posting this link. Uh, Laramie Tunsil's Twitter account um, had a video posted of him smoking a bong in a gas mask uh, that was taken down earlier today, uh, and he obviously deleted his account. Uh, but the question here is, it doesn't show his face. I didn't watch the video, um, so maybe he takes the mask off and it's him. But, you know, Paul, you mentioned the marijuana. You mentioned something like that. If he posted this, the guy deserves not to be drafted at all. But it sounds to me like maybe somebody hacked his, his Twitter account and put it up there. Obviously, the red flag, Paul. It, it's What it actually sounded like was it wasn't put on his Twitter. It was put in, on, in a response on his Twitter and people jumped all over ah, it, okay. is what I'm getting. So not that his Twitter account got hacked and, and put, got put up there, but that somebody put one out there and tagged him in it essentially or responded to one of his tweets with it, and then it got removed later on. But like we all know in the electronic age, people are going to capture things like that immediately when they go up there. So it's not gone. That digital footprint is still out there. So yeah, whether it showed his face or not, it's something that's drawing red flags, and it's almost the we don't know, but now there's this potential catastrophe surrounding this guy. And who knows what it's going to do to him. We see it a lot with a lot of folks here, where right before the draft there's a few folks that have something come out of the woodwork that may or may not be true, and it causes them to slide. It's interesting Very interesting. what it does. Yeah, and especially when you start looking. I mean, the, the Dolphins are going to be on the on the clock in two picks. Tampa Bay's got three minutes left, then New Orleans, then the Dolphins. Right now, Miles Jack is on the board. Vernon Hargreaves is on the board. Laramie Tunsil is on the board. And when you start looking at Tunsil, maybe a team further back in this draft that needs an offensive lineman, a left tackle, looks at this as an opportunity and looks at that video and says, you know what? Yeah, okay. At 13, it's not a bad deal. The Dolphins, if they could parlay that into uh, some additional draft picks, move back a little bit, they could still get one of the guys that they want, especially if cornerback, Paul, is their top need. Agreed. Uh, Although I still am hoping for for a linebacker in round one just because of the drop-off I see after Jack and Ragland. But at the same time, I would understand a corner. For me, as much as I would love to get Laramie Tunzel here and how attractive of a pick he is for me, because as Kat said, he is the top player on most boards in terms of ability. 
with the Deion Jordan situation, with some of the other situations that the Dolphins have had over the past few years, they can't afford the potential PR nightmare if it does turn out that it was Laramie Tunzel, if he is thrown into the drug program, et cetera. Even though I see a guy, when I look at him, when I watch his face as he was watching all these guys getting picked ahead of him now, who is probably going to go through the best version of the scared straight program that we've ever seen because he's watching millions of dollars go flying out of his bank account here as he slides further and further down in this draft. And he's watching these real-world implications of what his actions may have caused if they were him. Even if they weren't, whoever's responsible just cost this kid millions of dollars. We're talking a guy that was potentially a top five pick. Now he's not even in the top ten. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick is in. We'll get to that when they come back from, from commercial break. When you look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need, cornerback is their top need. They also need offensive tackle as well. Safety, defensive end. There are plenty of defensive ends on the board right now. Shaq Lawson's on the board. Uh, Deron Reed, the defensive tackles there. Uh, Kevin Dodd is still on the board. And those are guys that we kind of thought might go somewhere between 10 and 20, potentially after uh, the 15th pick. But with the way the draft is shaping up, we thought Eli Apple was a guy that would go mid to late round one. And here he goes at pick number 10. Cornerback, obviously the big need. They could go Hargreaves here. But if you need offensive tackle, again, the name that's going to be brought up is Laramie Tunsil. Could this be where he stops his fall? I wouldn't be shocked to see Tampa Bay go with Tunsil. Uh, They need the help. They need to keep Jameis Winston um, upright and available in the throwing lanes. Uh, So he could be a guy. Um, There's a a lot of different ways that Tampa Bay could go here. You know, interestingly enough, as I, as I look at this and you think to a t- about a team like the Cleveland Browns, they have culled so many draft picks uh, for the next two years. But what's very interesting to me is one of their biggest needs is wide receiver. Laquan Treadwell is still out there, and now all of a sudden he's a legitimate pick at 15, and that might have been their number one pick at eight. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have turned their card in. Roger Goodell is at the podium. Paul, take it. All right, Vernon Hargraves is coming off the board and going to Tampa Bay, so suddenly Eli Apple and Vernon Hargraves are gone and will not be available to the Dolphins at 13. Paul, i got to tell you, I'm not overly disappointed. Um, I like Hargraves, but I found a few little minor hiccups in his game. Um, When I look at this, I like Artie Burns better, actually, and if I could get him in round two, it's worth the risk to me. I don't even mind Xavier Howard as well in the second round. I'm not sure William Jackson III is the guy that I want. A lot of potential there. But if the Dolphins can move back and get him, I'll be a lot happier than if they take him flat out at 13. I have to imagine, Paul, though, Miles Jack has to be looking awful good to the Dolphins right now. I think he does. I think several guys look good. And I think the Dolphins are still in a great position to be able to move down a couple of picks. Um, If they're able to move down a couple of picks and and secure – um, one of the three players still on the board in Tunzel, Jack, or even Ragland, I'm not unhappy with how they came out of this first round. There's no corner that I love here at pick 13. Like you mentioned, Artie Burns, a guy that I mocked to the Dolphins in the second round when we did our second round mock. Uh, you mentioned Xavier Howard, another guy I really like later on as well. 
there are a number of corners I like later on, but either an unbelievable piece like Tunzel, even though I don't think they can go that route, or one of those two inside backers would be huge for this team going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what's funny is when you look at Hargraves going to Tampa Bay, uh, this is a kid whose trip up the road is literally going to be very, very short. Uh, He's a Florida product from Gainesville. He's going to Tampa Bay. Um, Again, like Jacksonville taking Florida State's Jalen Ramsey, it's a good fit for these two northern Florida teams uh, to keep some hometown talent. Will the Dolphins follow suit? and maybe take a guy like Artie Burns, keeping him in Miami. It would make a ton of sense. I don't think I would do it at 13. In fact, I wouldn't do it at 13, but maybe we see that again, like we said in round two. Um, we're obviously waiting for, uh, for the New Orleans Saints who are on the board now to make their pick. Let's talk a little bit about the Saints and what their needs are, Paul, because that's really going to dictate uh, what, what happens and who's possibly going to be there for the Dolphins. They need an outside linebacker. They need a cornerback, but their top needs a defensive line. Do they go with a guy like Jack here? Do they go with a guy like Reggie Raglan, or do they go cornerback? It's, it's too early for an offensive guard, but there are options on the defensive line right now. I would say they're either going to go Tunzel or – and I'm going to say Tunzel for most of these picks until he goes at this point, uh, but either Tunzel or defensive tackle. They need far too much help uh, on that defensive front. And one thing I just want to go back to quick – with Hargraves um, going to Tampa Bay, they've definitely got a talented glut at the cornerback position right now. They've got Brent Grimes. They've got Alteron Verner, two very good corners. We're, we're all familiar with Grimes. And then they're adding Vernon Hargraves to that mix. So it's going to be very interesting to watch teams pass against Tampa Bay. They're definitely fortifying that pass defense and almost making their front seven look better in the passing game because they've got three guys now that can cover in that secondary. So a lot of interesting things with that as well. Yeah, for me, it's going to be what I find very interesting here is um, I think that the New Orleans Saints have to go defensive line uh, or defensive end, one of the two. They were the worst team last year against the run. Their defense was absolutely deplorable. You can have as much talent on the offensive side of the ball as you want. And while they do need guard help, like the Dolphins, they really need to fix that that defensive unit. And it's got to start right there uh, on, the, um, on, the, on the defensive line. And that's why I'm thinking we're going to see a guy like Sheldon Rankins potentially um, go here. You could look at a guy like uh, – Oh, gosh, uh, Deron Reed is a possibility. Ashawn Robinson, you know, with what we've seen. And then you've got a, a wild card like Kemdichi who has run into a lot of issues, and they're thinking, you know, late first round, early second round draft pick here, maybe a guy that goes to the Buffalo Bills in the mid-rounds, but maybe he comes off the board. It's really going to be dependent on what Sean Payton and, and the, the management there in New Orleans think that they want to do or need to do to fix their defensive line. But then when you go out to the outside and you start talking about, about pass rusher, you're talking about defensive ends like um, Shaq Lawson. You're talking about, you know, those type of guys, Kevin Dodd from Clemson. So there's some potential there as well. Outside linebacker. I'm not quite sure that they're going to go that route right now, which is should put miles Jack in play for the dolphins. We'll see what happens. They've got two minutes left. 
this is a situation where the Saints could be fielding some calls as well, maybe looking for a trade partner that might be able to jump up, Paul, and take a guy like Laramie Tunsil, who, again, we've been talking about since the very first pick in this – well, the third pick in this draft. Yeah, I think you're going to see us continue to talk about him. You're going to see um, NFL Network, ESPN, anybody covering this draft talking about him as we go forward. Uh, until he comes off the board because it is such an intriguing storyline anytime a player like that falls. Um, One thing that you just said, though, too, that I just want to touch on real quick is when it comes to the defensive linemen, linebackers, and corners, sometimes it's not the best player or best complete player that you see come off the board first. In a lot of cases, it's whatever player matches up with the flavor of the defense that you're running. Um, so yeah, it could be a situation where say you think a Sean Robinson is the better defensive tackle, but Nkandichi is the guy that fits your defensive scheme so well, and you're not able to trade down and still be able to take him. So he's the guy you go with because he meshes with your system that you've got in place. Yep, absolutely. Um, 50 seconds left in the New Orleans pick. They still haven't gotten the pick up to the podium. You know, you, you, when you start talking about seconds left on the draft clock, it's so hard uh, not to bring up past mistakes, especially like with the Vikings where you failed to make it in on time and the next thing you know, um, the, the next team's jumping up and, and taking him. Well, guess what? The next team that could jump up and take a player that they want is the Miami Dolphins. But luckily, with 32 seconds left, the New Orleans Saints made their selection. Paul, the Miami Dolphins are officially on the clock right now as we were waiting for the New Orleans Saints to have their pick called out. Yeah, and if, if, if the Saints go with anybody other than Tunzel, Jack, or Raglan, as much as I like all three of those as, as fits for the Dolphins, um, I think it's a scenario where I hope Chris Greer, Mike Tannenbaum, Adam Gase, and whoever else is sitting in that war room are on the phone right now with every team um, in the few picks behind them talking about what would, they would want to move up and if there's anybody they want to move up to come get. Because you can yep. still get an absolute impact player as for the team for this season. Yeah, no kidding. And when, when, you know, when I think about this, moving back a couple spots to me might not be all that great. You're talking about the pick right now is a fourth rounder. Um, maybe at this point it, it starts to slide into, into a fifth. So if you're talking a, a, a trade of maybe two or three spots, you're talking a fourth rounder. I would rather see, if you're talking about a guy like Raglan or William Jackson III, I would hope that the Dolphins would move back from 13 to around 20 or 21, where that pick becomes a 2017 second rounder and maybe a fifth or a fourth round this year, where there's more value to it, because I still think you can get the same guys in there. Paul, the pick is who? Um, I'm going to let you go ahead and announce this one, Brian. Uh, the New Orleans Saints have selected Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle, which is kind of the guy that I've been talking about here the last maybe 30 minutes or so leading up to the Dolphins pick, who, by the way, are now on the clock. Not a whole lot of surprise there uh, with, with Rankins, but now the Dolphins are on the clock. Laramie Tunsil is on the board. Miles uh, J- uh, Jack is on the board. These are the guys that we thought, Paul, potentially were not going to fall. In fact, when we did our top five earlier this week on Tuesday, 
Laramie Tunsil wasn't even allowed to be talked about, and I had to convince Cat to allow us to talk about Miles Jack potentially falling, and both of them are sitting there at 13. That is not what we thought was going to happen. Um, we thought there was some possibility that Jack would slide, but Laramie Tunzel, I mean, I, I think you remember one of the things that I, I said was he was the only guy that I could see being there at number eight, potentially with the way the draft was shaping up that Miami could trade up and get. And let's face it, if this video had not surfaced, I still think he would have gone ahead of at least one, if not both of the offensive tackles that went already. Yeah. And you know, the other guy we can't ro- roll out here. You've got Shaq Lawson, the defensive end, that's sitting there as well. The Dolphins desperately need, not desperately, but they do need defensive end help. You know, Olivier Vernon is gone. Uh, Derek Shelby is gone. You're looking at Mario Williams on a one, two-year deal max uh, at the age of 31. You're looking at 34-year-old Cameron Wake on the opposite side. Maybe the Dolphins are thinking, hey, if I can get a guy like Shaq Lawson, maybe I can get rid of Cameron Wake and trade him. Maybe I can, Cameron Wake's going to be a free agent after this season. You make a pick for defensive end, Paul, and suddenly you're drafting for your future as well. I do see the point that folks have with that. Um, I don't see defensive end in the right now as being a dire need. I see guys that can step in and, and fill needs in the first two rounds at, at linebacker and corner, which I know I'm going to keep harping on here. But needs that are needs now and in the future that, you, you know, you can't worry about the hole that's going to show up in your boat when you've already got one there. And that's the situation the Dolphins are in for this pick. And that's why I think either Jack or Raglan make the most sense, just because of the depth at corner for that second-round pick. Yeah, it's going to be – there's five and a half minutes left with the pick. I have to imagine that Tannenbaum is working the telephone lines, trying to see what's out there. He would be smart if he would take anything at this point. I mean, if you can move back and, and, and gain a fourth in this year's draft, maybe drop back a little bit further, gain a second next year's draft. It's a smart when you look at the talent here that's still available. You're going to get a player that you couldn't even imagine. If, you're, if your target was William Jackson III, he's suddenly going to be available about six or seven picks from now. Laramie Tunsil, God knows, you might be able to get him later. So very interesting to see what the Dolphins do with this pick because Laramie Tunsil wasn't supposed to be on the board at this pick. And i got to be honest with you, he wasn't on my board at all because I never really gave him much thought. I didn't watch film on this guy. I watched film on Jack Conklin. So suddenly the number one overall pick two months ago is sitting here at 13. I never would have believed that the Dolphins are not trading their pick. The pick is in. There is no trade. We will get to that pick when they come back from commercial. Paul, is it going to be Miles Jack? That would be the biggest consensus for most people right now. I think it has to be Miles Jack at this point. Um, I think he is the guy that can come in, like we've talked about, be that dynamic piece, almost like a move position on defense. Be that guy that can be in the middle of the defense. Be that guy that can drop back to nickel corner suddenly Koamisi becomes expendable in this scenario if um, they're able to get Kiko Alonso back healthy for this season. You can kick Kiko out to the strong side, keep Jelani Jenkins on the weak side, and suddenly you've got three linebackers that can play all over the field covering the pass, can play all over the field covering the run, can blitz, can do a lot of interesting things, and suddenly corner isn't as big of a need once you draft one because that nickel spot is going to get filled by guys like Miles Jack 
and Michael Thomas, et cetera, which, or uh, one of the other young corners on this team. So it could be a very intriguing pick that fills multiple needs. So uh, Miles Jack makes absolutely the most sense for this pick. But, and there's always a but, we're talking about the Dolphins here. I was on, on the phone with Shane, our friend O'Neill, who is on our chat room, um, back when the Dolphins selected Ted Ginn. He and I were talking. We thought for sure we were going to hear Brady Quinn's name. That wasn't the case. The Dolphins have made a, a, a tradition of kind of making you shake your head. So while we're all saying Jack or we're all saying Tunsil, there's no guarantee that it won't be a guy like William Jackson or Mackenzie Alexander or Shaq Lawson. Um, the Dolphins really could go anywhere. The pick is in. Yep, but, Paul, I, I'm going to um, ask you to wait one second before you well, – no, you just just tell me. I don't care. I'm watching it here. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there as soon as it's up there for our listeners. We've got Laramie Tunsil coming to Miami. Very interesting to see what they do here. He's wow. That I was willing to trade up and grab. So now I'm sure we're going to hear from Cat here shortly. The Dolphins' offensive line is going to look much, much better now that they've gone with Laramie Tunzel. The only reason I didn't want offensive line was I didn't see him being available. And now that he was available, I'm happy as hell. The Dolphins <laughs> just took the best player in the draft, and they did it they, at number 13. They did. And, and you know, I, I got to say, Noel just said this online, too, because I was just getting ready to say it. You can't pass that up. Miles nope, Jackson would have been a great great linebacker for the Dolphins, but the questions regarding his knee have to be somewhat of a concern. There's no questions about Laramie Tunzel's knee. There's only questions about whether he's stupid enough to go out and do pot. Well, guess what? Dude, you just cost yourself a lot of money by making a stupid mistake. You're going to learn from this. The Dolphins' offensive line just got a lot better. Not just that. Miami got the best player in the draft who's coming in with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove now, which I'll take that every single day of the week. The guy that's got to be on the lookout now is Brandon Albert because this is a guy that's going to eventually be that bookend, if not sooner than later, and really, really keep Tannehill upright and be healthy throughout this, the course of the season. Yeah, it, what's, what's interesting here is you have to start wondering where this guy's going to play. He's a left tackle. So do you move Brandon Albert into guard, or do you move Tunsil to right guard, or right tackle and kick um, Jawan James to guard? So the Dolphins are going to have to do some shifting here uh, because I'm not sure, and maybe you can answer the question, I don't know if Tunsil can play guard. Like I said, this wasn't a guy that I did a lot of research on because there was no reason for me to. I didn't think he was going to be sitting here at 13. If Cat calls in, which he should be pretty soon, we'll ask him. But the Dolphins fans obviously – absolutely love the pick and they're pretty excited about it they should be paul because the dolphins need offensive line help they just got it yeah and i'm kind of excited to see uh some of the guys there right there on tv down at the draft party i won't lie but i want to talk about the way this line could shape up here brandon albert may not be happy with this but my personal thought would be if i'm the head coach i would be looking at putting tunsil out there at left tackle keeping Juwan James at right tackle. Juwan is not a guard. Brandon Albert came out of college as an offensive guard that got kicked over to left tackle once he came to the NFL. He did it at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level, but he has a lot of experience in the past playing guard. 
I would be willing to kick Brandon Albert into guard, keep him at his salary. That's very commensurate with all the Pro Bowl guards signing this offseason. And suddenly you've got an offensive line from right to left Paul. of what? Let me break in for just a second. They're talking with Laramie Tunsil on stage right now. And Dion um, asked him flat out about the elephant in the room. And Tunsil said that he just learned about this while he was in the green room, that somebody got a hold of his Twitter account and posted it. Dion actually asked if it was his stepfather. He said that he doesn't know. Apparently, from what he is saying, and I'm trying to ascertain this, if somebody is in our chat room that actually heard the whole thing because I missed the first part, that this was an older picture, not something that was done recently. Um, So somebody did this intentionally. Somebody tried to hurt this guy. Um, Matt Mo in our uh, chat room seems to think it was Ryan Tannehill. But, uh, you know, regardless – if this is a case, Paul, of an old situation, something that happened maybe a couple of years ago, whatever the case may be, I, I'd even take it prior to last season. If this is something that somebody attacked this guy while he's sitting in the green room, you could definitely tell he's upset about it. Kind of changes a little bit of the dynamics here in terms of what the Dolphins might be getting. Yeah, I, like I said, this is a guy with something to prove coming in. And, you know, there's a lot to shake out here. I, I, I definitely want to hear the whole story on this. But, he has passed every test so far. Drug use is a non-issue with him. Um, I won't pretend that any, almost anyone I know, uh, for the most part, didn't dabble a little bit at some point in time. Um, so I'm not going to knock this guy not knowing the whole truth. I'm excited about the possibility of having Juwan James with a huge battle at, right, at guard, Mike Pouncey, possibly Brandon Albert, um, and then Laramie Tunzel along that offensive line. Ryan Tannehill's got to be ecstatic right now. He's going to be upright given the way that they're fixing this offensive line. The only intriguing thing to me is the huge drop-off at linebacker now. But I'll take it to actually have an offensive line that is potentially as good as we could be looking at here. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, again, when you start looking at the prospects that were sitting there for the Dolphins at 13, and you start looking at William Jackson the third, you look at Miles Jack, you look at um, maybe a guy like Mackenzie Alexander or a Shaq Lawson, perhaps the biggest need on your team has been the offensive line. You cannot expect your quarterback to get better year to year if he's still leading the, the league in sacks. And last year he was sacked 46 times, and that was the least amount of sacks that he's had as a professional football player. You've got to fix that. This allows the Dolphins to fix it by kicking one of their tackles inside the guard. Then you have to be able to do that, and you have to make your offensive line better. Tunsil is not a pick that's going to fix the guard position. Tunsil is going to fix the left tackle position for the next five to ten years because next year the Dolphins may not have Brandon Albert on the team anymore. They may not, but if they do keep Brandon Albert on the team, Tunsil is a guy that's going to fix the guard position. Brandon Albert was a very good guard that they saw the potential of moving to left tackle in Kansas City uh, when he came out of college. So if they do manage to keep Brandon Albert, if they get him to buy in on this, which does need to happen, and they can kick Albert into guard and put, put, him at, put Tunzel at left tackle, 
then it fixes two positions with one draft pick. So suddenly, with the Dolphins' first-round draft pick, they may have potentially fixed four positions on this team. Um, in Byron Maxwell, Kiko Alonso, if they kick Brandon Albert into guard, and then now Laramie Tunzel at left tackle. So a lot of intriguing things as, as we go through that. But we will go to the Raiders who just selected Carl Joseph. Okay, I was just going to say I'm going to stop you for a second. The Raiders pick is in. We know that it's Carl Joseph, but we've got Cat on the line. And, Cat, I cannot imagine how you feel right now because this was the number yes! one guy on your board. Yes! Yes! Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let me tell you this. Um, if he fails a drug test, people can call me back and say that uh, that we were stupid. This it was my number one player on the board, and I think it's a position that – if the guy comes back and does not fail a drug test, which he has every incentive in the world now not to, man, oh, man, you, you can cut Brandon Albert either this year or you get him off the books next year, and you have an elite talent at the left tackle position to protect your best investment. Oh, my. Are you kidding me? Uh, so, I know. Uh, what, what, one thing we were just talking about was the possibility, if Brandon Albert will take it, of Brandon Albert kicking back into guard, which is a position he plays. He's not going. He's not going to kick back to guard. He's I gonna, doubt he He's going to tell the Dolphins to go. He's going to tell the Dolphins to go screw themselves if if they want to. To I I I I can't see any way Brandon Albert is fine moving back to the guard spot after he's been you know that left tackle for the last uh, you know eight years in the NFL and has played at a Pro Bowl level just about every single year. But you know I I understand Paul that that's. Yeah, that, that's something that's talked about, and I know he played guard at Virginia, uh, but it, you know th- there's a certain level of you know uh, pride associated with being a left tackle, and I start to ask myself too that if if Albert they're asking him to kick back into guard, it, you know it, at that point I start to ask myself, wouldn't you rather cut him at eight and a half million dollars? then ask somebody to, you know, who's played tackle, who doesn't really want to do it to kick inside the guard. I don't know. Brandon Albert would have to be bought into that idea of kicking in the guard. Agreed. I, you know, it's again, this is a very interesting situation because nobody, like I was telling Paul before you uh, called in, before the draft pick was made, we weren't allowed to bring up Tunsil uh, on Tuesday's show. In fact, when you count to me on who my number one player in the draft was, I threw out Tunsil just to irritate you, uh, knowing that he wasn't allowed. <laughs> yep. Here he is. He's the pick. So, um, you know, it's you, kind of ironic did. how you, that all works. <clears throat> I know. But here's, here's the thing, it's, though. It's, Seriously, I, I can't be upset about this pick because the number one guy on my board, not named Jack and Elliot, was Jack Conklin, and Tunsil is a lot better than what Jack Conklin is. Yeah, and when you look at it now at this point in the draft at 13, um, the risk is very much worth the reward. You know, I'm disappointed that, that Laramie Tunzel at this point, you know, if you looked at him and, and watched his interview, they asked him straightforward, was that you on there? And he pretty much said that it was. Stupid, yeah. stupid mistake. But you're also – we're not talking about cocaine. We're not, we're not talking about meth. We're talking about somebody who's immature – who has made stupid decisions. Will he make the same stupid decision again? Maybe. But if we're talking about a franchise left tackle, then there's no way in hell I ever thought Laramie Tunzel would be available at this spot in the draft. 
Well, Kat, you have to take the chance. You're taking as much risk on Tunsil staying clean if he ever even had a drug problem to begin with or made a stupid mistake as opposed to taking a, a, a risk by drafting, by drafting Miles Jack with a knee injury that could be degenerative. So in both situations, you've got people out there that are pissed off because we didn't dra- draft Jack saying, well, you're taking this major risk with Tunsil who's doing drugs. Jack's got just as much upside, too, as possibly being a guy that injures himself out of the NFL before he ever steps on the field. What makes this very more right. interesting, Paul, is now you got, you're going to start talking about a guy like Jalen Smith in round three or four. You know, if the Dolphins came away with, with – um, Tunsil in round one, let's say Artie Burns in round two, and then in round three you take a Scooby Wright or you take a Jalen Smith and take a chance on him sitting for a year, you're in a pretty good position for your draft. I agree. Um, I mean, Artie Burns is a guy that I've been eyeing and hoping falls to round two. Um, and then if they're able to to add a linebacker at some point later on, I'm okay with that as well. Um, but, again, this Tunsil was way too good of a player to pass up. He was the one guy I said was out there that I expected to fall far enough that I would trade up to go get. So I'm happy as hell to see him go Tunzel, even though I love Miles Jack and what he could have brought, even though I love Reggie Ragland and what he could have brought. So let's let's see what we get out of Tunzel here. But again, I, I'm ecstatic. We got about four minutes left, just so you guys are aware. Yeah, and, and also too, Paul, to, to go back to your point, to circle back, is you know if, if Brandon Albert is in favor of. Uh, guiding Laramie Tunzel and if Brandon Albert wants to kick inside the guard, which I don't think he will, but if he, if, if, if he's open to that, I think that Matt is all the better, but um, I, I'm, I'm shocked at this point because, because here's the thing is when it comes to marijuana, uh, you, you, you look at the drug, it's the drug that stays in your system the longest. It's, it can stay in his system for up to a month where a drug like meth or cocaine can get out of your system in two or three days. That's why so many players get busted on marijuana, uh, one of the least harmful drugs. But how stupid do you have to be to be seen in a picture like that just days before the draft if this thing is true? And based on what I saw on the NFL Network, it is true. But having said that, yeah. uh, the risk is much, much worth the reward. And Brian, since we've got our cat, since we got three minutes, I'm going to cut in real quick. The Browns are at the podium. One thing that Adam Kaplan actually did report is six million of Brandon Albert's 8.42 million for the season became guaranteed on March 13th. So he's locked in salary-wise. But Cleveland went ahead, drafted the first wide receiver to come off the board, and it is not Laquan Treadwell. It is Corey Coleman. I, guys, I want to break in here real quick. Corey Coleman. Um, Paul, I'm absolutely – Cat's gone now, but I'm absolutely shocked with Laquan Treadwell still being on there. This seems to me like a typical Browns move. I don't get this pick. I think they could have traded back and and taken a receiver later. Well, they they may not have had a a trade partner out there. Uh, Coleman is definitely a speedster. He's that deep threat guy. So if if he meshes with what they want to do in Cleveland, they've got their eyes on a quarterback. Um, and I'm sure they're going to be picking one here before the end of tomorrow. And, yeah. you know, getting him a deep threat to go in there, their receiving core is in shambles. Laquan Treadwell absolutely sloth his 40 time, so I'm not fully shocked here. 
Something to think about with this Dolphins pick as well is, you know, last year Juwan James was injured, missed half of the season. Brandon Alberts had back injuries. You're basically giving yourself a backup who's going to start from day one. He's going to walk in and he's going to start. Um, but you've got options there. You know, if, if he starts at guard and Albert goes down, you move him outside. You know, he's going to be able to shift all around. This is a guy who hasn't had any real major health issues. Um, so, you know, the Dolphins are in a good position with this kid uh, in terms of, of how they're going to go into the season. Paul, we've got about a minute, about a minute and 20 seconds left. Any chance that the Dolphins move back into round one if Jack continues to fall? I, I think there is a possibility, but right now, the way it's set up, they would have to give up too much to do so unless there's a player. Don't forget, they may be able to package a pick and Brandon Albert, too, at this point, now that they've got Tunzel on the books. Yep. Um, I just want to remind folks that are listening live, though, we will be back on the air tomorrow night for rounds two and three. So if you want to go ahead and give that info out, we'll have all the info on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Yep. For those of you that are listening to us live tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, you can join us right here again on the fin side. We'll be covering the, at least the first two hours of the draft. In addition to that, we will be talking uh, – the chat rooms will be open up on both on thefinside.com as well as finfanatic.com. On behalf of everybody here at finsradio.net, Paul, myself, and with Kat joining us, we want to thank you for being a part of our live draft coverage. We managed to make it just in time before the show ended. So with that, we'll say goodnight, and we will talk to you tomorrow. The chat rooms are still live, and they're open, so feel free to go ahead and listen or talk amongst yourselves there. We'll, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Remember, if it's not on the right side, it is...